Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We are going to continue our series today called Playlist, Psalms About Seeking God. Um, I picked out psalms that I was going to preach through, seven of them, uh, in seven weeks, Devin. And then this week happened, and I'm like, that's not it. But it took me to Wednesday to figure out that's not the one. So it was going to be Psalm 27, but the Lord changed it to Psalm 19. But uh, I'll be in Psalm 19 if you want to turn there. But the book of Psalms is a, a, a wonderful book in the Bible. It's 150 chapters. Don't worry, we're not going through all that today. Y'all are slow this morning, right? And uh, they contain songs, prayers, and lots of wisdom. Uh, they should be on every believer's playlist. That's why I called it Playlist. And whenever you want to seek God, the book of Psalms is a great place to start. Not only is it about God, many times it contains prayers to God. And so it's a great way to seek God and connect with God. And we'll be in Psalm 19 today. As I was looking at this, Louis Pasteur said... Uh, years ago, the more he studies nature, the more he stands amazed at the work of our Creator. And he says that um, science brings men nearer or closer to God. And I thought that was a really neat quote that, uh, that he looked at it that way. And of course, C.S. Lewis, when speaking of specifically Psalm 19 that we're going to look at today, he said, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And we're going to look at Psalm 19. Well, the first thing I want you to see as we read it is the, the role of creation. We're going to talk about responding to God's revelation today. And I want you to look at how God reveals Himself through creation. It says in Psalm 19, "...the heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech." Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, He has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. I um, don't normally read old sermons, but I was reading a little bit of Spurgeon this week. I hadn't read him in a long time. And he was noting a parallel between... Um, the Word and the world here in Psalm 19. Notice the parallel here. The heavens, the skies declare the glory of God. And they proclaim the, the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. When you talk to people about, what about people who've never heard the gospel? Well, what I want you to know is by design, God has spoken to everybody through creation. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. It's in the sky that if you'll just take the time to look up and look around at creation, 
day after day. It speaks night after night. It communicates knowledge. He says there's no speech and there's no words where the voice is not heard and that the message has gone out to the whole earth. Even if somebody didn't have a Bible, even if somebody had never heard of Jesus, they have enough revelation to realize there is a creator that created this thing called heaven and earth. And that could be the stepping stone that could lead them forward in in more knowledge once they come to hear more about Christ. But it starts there. You notice the importance of, it says in verse 4, halfway through, in the heavens he's pitched a tent for his son. Now he's talking about the S-U-N, but I want to talk about the S-O-N, the Son of God, which is Jesus. We know that the whole counsel of God points to Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. Uh, He is the His body is the tabernacle. He said, if you destroy this tabernacle, I'll rebuild it in three days. And they thought he was talking about the literal temple, but he was talking about his body and he was pointing to his death, burial, and resurrection. It says here that the sun, the S-U-N is like the sun in the sky is like a bridegroom coming from his home. But isn't Jesus Christ the bridegroom? that laid down his life for his bride, the church. And then it says uh, that the son is also like um, the uh, athlete that is running a course. He's, he, he's determined and he's running with strength and perseverance to the very end so that he can finish strong. And Jesus came and he loved his disciples to the very end and he wants us to run that race as well. Notice it says that it, It rises from one end of the heavens, circles to the other, and nothing is hidden from its heat. And I would say to you that even when people reject the light of God, they're still going to feel the heat. What do I mean by that? Look, if you will, in Romans 1 for just a moment. In Romans 1, Paul would agree with David in this psalm how God speaks through creation. In Romans 1.18, he says God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Some things don't change very much, do they? We live in a culture today that wants to suppress the truth. They want to hold it back and they don't want to hear the truth of the gospel. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. So what do they do? They censor, they do all these things, they suppress the truth. And it says here, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. So they're not without uh, knowledge. They're not without a conscience because they have seen the evidence because God has shown it to them. How has he done that? Well, let's keep reading. For his invisible attributes, that is God, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. And as a result, people are without excuse. Did you catch that? Paul the apostle, who was an apostle to the Gentiles, even though he grew up a Jew and was a religious insider, God called him to go out and leave Israel and be an apostle to the Gentiles and reach outsiders with God's word and with the gospel. And he's saying, listen, 
I want you to know that God has given every man enough evidence through creation to show that he's real and that he exists. And therefore, all people are without excuse. You might want to say, well, well, I don't know, and I don't this, and I don't that. And God says, here's your sign. It's written in the sky. Day after day, the sky speaks. Night after night, it communicates knowledge. God has spoken through creation. And the sun may not shine in caves, but nothing is hidden from its heat. And I would say to you that even in this dark and dying world today that rejects the light of the gospel, they still feel the heat of conviction from time to time. Then we shift from creation to revelation. Look, if you will, in um, verse 7. He says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Notice the benefits of God's revelation. In the first part of all the statements, he talks about how God's Word is perfect. God's Word is trustworthy. God's Word is right. God's Word is radiant. God's Word endures forever. God's Word is reliable and righteous. It's more desirable than gold, and it's sweeter than honey. He uses different uh, words to uh, refer to God's Word, instruction, testimony, precepts, commands, the fear of the Lord, the ordinances, and so on. And then he says, notice the results. They convert the soul. They renew your life. They make you wise. They make the heart glad. They make eyes light up. They lead to purity and they lead to abundant reward. Truly, God's word is life-giving. When you come to the word of God and you believe it is the word of God, it can change your life from the inside out. And that's what David wanted us to see is that it starts with creation. And then we come to the book of the Bible and we get this revelation that this God who created the heavens and the earth, He loves you. And He sent His Son for you. We'll look at the next part, and that is salvation in verses 12 through 14. David, after pondering the witness of creation and Scripture, says, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. This is, I, I suppose this is on a good day. You know, I've already confessed other things and now I'm aware of my unintentional sins and my hidden faults. Lord, cleanse me. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. And then I love this last verse. What a beautiful prayer it is. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
I like what Warren Wiersbe said. Warren Wiersbe says, This psalm reminds me of the wise men in the New Testament who came to see Jesus uh, after He had been born. They saw the message in the heavens. Remember, they saw the witness of the skies. They saw the star in the east. And they followed that star and it led them to the Scriptures. And the priest told them from the book of the Bible where the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then they went and they worshipped Him. That's the whole point of creation and revelation is to bring us to salvation. And so today I want to talk to you about how should we respond to God's revelation. Number one, see God's glory in the creation of the world. Psalm 94 makes a great point in verse 9. Can the one who shaped the ear not hear, and the one who formed the eye not see? Don't you think that sums it up? I do. This God who created everything that you see, He created the ear to hear and the eye to see, and He's got eyes and ears to see and hear everything that you and I do. He's the Creator. He's the designer. He's the architect behind all of this. And He wants us to see His glory in the creation of the world. Someone said, if you want to see God's mind, look at creation. The same God that that created the hippopotamus, created the gnat. My, what creativity that God has, right? And He made you and He made me. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that Everything was created by Him. And in this verse in Colossians, Paul is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus Christ created everything. Everything was created by Him. Everything was created through Him. And everything is created for Him. And in Him all things hold together. That is the God that we serve. That is the Lord and Savior that we proclaim. And He has revealed Himself through creation. And when we see God's glory in creation, it reminds us that there's more to life than just you know, what we do when we have our head down Monday through Friday. But God made everything, and He made you, and He made me. That We start with seeing God's glory in the creation of the world, but then we move to number two, and that is look at God's grace in the revelation of His Word. Look at God's grace in the revelation of His Word. You know, when David moved from creation to Scripture, it was a seamless transition. This God that created everything has left us a document called the Bible, and it's truly God's Word. It's inspired by Him, and it's absolutely trustworthy and reliable. And in its message, we discover that the author is truly God. God spoke um, through His Word. It covers several hundred years, different kinds of authors, and it's got an integrated, consistent message. And it points to the Son of God, and His name is Jesus. For instance, in the Gospel of John, 
in the New Testament. Chapter 1, listen to what John says. He says in John 1.1, In the beginning, just like in Genesis, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth, well, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And then you go down to verse 14. This Word that was with God and was God in the beginning, this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that. Look at God's grace in the revelation of Jesus. Jesus was grace and truth. He embodied it. He came to this earth. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that we all deserve. He took our place. He died on that cross for the sins of everyone. In Colossians 1, Paul said it this way to the church in Colossae in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, referring to Jesus, and through Him to reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions, but now He has reconciled you by His physical body through His death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before Him. Amen. All that's possible because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross where He shed His blood and purchased our salvation. And so we look at God's grace in the revelation of His Word. This God sent His Son who became one of us. He lived the life that we should live. He died the death that we deserve. He purchased our salvation when He went to that cross and shed His own blood. His body was buried into a tomb. Why did He have to die? Because the wages of sin is death. And so He came and died in our place. But because He's the Son of God, on the third day He rose again just like He said He would. And now He triumphs over death, hell, uh, and the grave. And now He offers the gift of eternal life to anyone willing to come to Him. And so we see God's glory in the creation of the world. And we look at God's grace in the revelation of His Word. And number three, the last one, ask the Redeemer to save you. Going back to Psalm 19, He says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. To redeem means to buy back. And when man fell, when man, uh, mankind lost his way, he, he fell from God and he was separated from God and, 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 and the wages of sin is death. Uh, the price had to be paid. And so Jesus came and He did that, and He redeems us. He redeems us by His death on the cross, by His shed blood. He purchases our salvation. And that takes me to one more passage I want you to see, and don't miss this, in Romans 10. 
Many of you that have been in church for years, you've probably heard Romans 10 when someone shares salvation and they get to Romans 10 and say, look how easy it is. Well, I want you to pay attention. I'm going to read about 10 verses or so in Romans 10 and I want you to pay attention all the way through and you'll see why when I get to the end. But in Romans 10 verse 8, Paul says to the Roman church, he says, on the contrary, what does it say? This message is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. For if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with a heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with a mouth resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame. And since there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on Him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about Him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. As good as that message is, not all that heard it believed it and obeyed it. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Even in the Old Testament, in the prophet of Isaiah, in his day and time, he said, Lord, who's believing our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. But I ask, says Paul, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. Verse 18. Does that sound familiar? Their voice has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. Psalm 19, verse 4. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. Paul is quoting Psalm 19. The minute he mentions salvation, he says this message, you've heard it, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you believe in your heart that Christ raised him, uh, that Christ was raised from the dead, he overcame death, hell, and the grave for you, that message can save you. But you have to not only hear it, you've got to believe it. You, you've got to believe it in such a way that you receive the gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ our Lord. And you say, Lord, I believe. And you ask Him to come into your life. You have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And He says, if you do this, if you believe this, and if you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, He says, you will be saved. That's not me telling you. That's God's Word telling you in Romans 10. And then the minute He says that, He goes... As easy as it is, as simple as it is, there are people that hear it and they don't believe it and they don't obey it. And then you go, are you kidding me? This is the opportunity of lifetime. This is the best news that you could ever share with anybody, not only in this world, but in the life to come. And Isaiah in his day says, not everybody obeyed. Not everybody believed. And then Paul says, did they hear? Did they hear what I said? 
And he says, oh yeah, they heard. They heard, and he quotes Psalm 19. The message has gone out to the whole world and the words to the ends of the world. The, the evidence is there to be seen. If you'll just look up and look around, there is a God in heaven. There is a God who created this world. There is a God that created people in His own image, male and female, enough said. Okay? He's not confused about that. And I want to tell you that He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for all of us. Every single one of us. And He says, look, if you will come to me, if you will come to me, if you'll confess me with your mouth, if you'll believe in your heart that I died on that cross and arose again, I can and I will save you. But even if you don't believe, and even if you don't receive, when you walk away, you might reject the light, but you're still going to feel the heat of conviction because everywhere you go, everywhere you look, you're going to see the fingerprints of God all over this world and this universe. And he says, I'm speaking. The question is, are you listening? And that's where we are today. And that's where we are in the service. How will you and I respond to the revelation of God? God has spoken through creation. He's revealed His glory. God has spoken in revelation of His Word. He's shown His grace. He loves you anyway. He died for you too. And He offers salvation to the Jew and the Gentile alike. And that leads to salvation. I mean, think about it. These, these magi, whoever they were, that came from the east, they may not know much, but they saw the star of one born king of the Jews. They didn't know a lot, but they had enough light that they said, we're going to find out what this is all about. And they followed this star all the way to Jerusalem. And then they open up the book of the Old Testament and they go, the Messiah, he's a king. He'll be born in Bethlehem. Now they've got the star in the sky and they've got the promise of Scripture and it leads them straight to the Messiah, baby Jesus. And you know what they did? They didn't go, oh, we figured it out. Oh, no. They worshipped Him. They worshipped Him. They truly believed He was who Scripture claimed He was. And they worshipped Him as King of kings and Lord of lords. And today I implore you to do the same. Let's all stand and musicians and ushers, if you'll come. We're going to have a time of imitation. We're going to have a time to respond to the revelation of God in the service and in the message of Scripture today. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time in your word. And Lord, I pray that as we sing and as we pray and as we give, Lord, I pray that your will be done in our lives. Father, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart and you would have your will and way in this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ushers, if you'll begin... They're going to collect. If you feel led to give, please do. And if you've got that Next Steps card, this is the time that you can just drop that in the plate. We'd love to get to know you better. We'd love to connect with you and have a conversation with you about your next steps in your walk with Christ, whatever that may be. But I encourage you today, 
not to sit on the bench, not to stay on the sidelines, but to think about what God is speaking to you. I was reading in my quiet time this morning in the book of Acts, and uh, Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey, and they go outside of the nation of Israel. They're going to the Gentiles, and they go to the Jew first. They go to the synagogue first, and they share the gospel And ultimately, some of them reject it. And he goes, well, we had to come to you first because God has called us to be a light to the Gentiles. And that's where we're going next. And the Gentiles heard the word of God. They heard the gospel and they believed and they were glad. And I want to tell you, you know, it said that they shook the dust off their feet and they went to the next town. You know, God loves you. He really does. God loves you and he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And He will give you a choice and you have to make a decision. And I implore you with all of my heart today to listen to Him, to do what He says. You know, in our, in our uh, Sunday school lesson today, we was talking about Eli and Samuel. And Samuel was just a young boy and he was sleeping there. And he heard his name and he went to Eli, not once, not twice, but three times. Eli was the priest. He said, Eli, you called me. By the third time, Eli said, son, I didn't call you. That's the Lord speaking to you. The next time He calls your name, just say, Lord, speak, your servant's listening. Well, I want to tell you today, if God is speaking to you, if He's calling your name, don't tune Him out. Don't turn Him off. Don't walk away. Say, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want me to do? And do what He's called you to do as we sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.